welcome to another exciting episode of Best of Five. Signing it off center. I'm sorry. What? Well, now we're perfect, so it doesn't matter. Shoutouts to Alon, cameraman, the host with the most, friend. The, you know, the, the mustache got evened out with a little bit of the extra facial hair. I'm impressed. It looks better. All right, okay. I thought it looked great before. <laughs> we'll have to talk right. to the audience. Blocker grab on Mike's facial hair. Using our new BOV block and BOV, or BOV B and BOV No, no, no. It's officially block. Oh, it's Shout block and grab to again. Steve. I, I would toss to Steve, but unfortunately he's not on the stream. But before we go to uh, his replacement, uh, John Velociraptor Guerrero uh, is joining us. He writes oh, for wow. eventhubs.com. And in a second, we're going to see what his face looks like. There it is. Hey, hey what's dude. up, guys? How you doing? John, how have you been? Nah, not too bad. Not too bad. I just turned 30 yeah. uh, three days ago. So that was an experience. What do you mean? What was the experience like? I don't understand what you uh, mean. Well, the, the morning when I got up, uh, as soon as I stood up, I was dizzy. And that was weird. And then every <laughs> step to the bathroom, my knees clicked. And, uh, and then I had this really strong urge to watch Murder, She Wrote, which is great. <laughs> um, I feel like you're being really rude right now to the uh, 30 year olds uh, I can't it's, it's you can't be offended I'm one of them fair enough all right uh, we're also joined by wait who is that I don't recognize that white beard and hat who do we got who's this I'm sorry oh. I'm looking for Steve uh, ace king oh. officer jerk oh it's me salty claws uh huh. Um, in the 21st century, with this new headset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't know Salty Claws. You know that actually. I, it's funny because it kind of looks like Steve's headset. Um, now you mention it. I had to borrow it. Salty has fallen on some hard times. Mm -hmm. What's he gonna do yeah. about that? Salty bet the farm on me this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> How'd that go for you, pal? As you can see from my abundantly full workshop not well <laughs> oh, no. uh tonight on the show we're going to talk about some tekken i don't know if you guys heard of that game uh and had it's uh basically it's capcom cup if you will over the weekend don't let them hear you call it that though uh we'll be talking about that we're talking about game reveals more tekken reveals we're talking about trailers talking about characters we're even going to have a guest that is one of the best tekken players on the planet Cuddlecore, we're very excited to interview her. She is salty. Do you know where she is currently located? She's in the Netherlands. Okay. <laughs> Netherlands, interesting. All right. Um, salty, I understand that you're upset because you bit the farm on knee. However, I need you to bring some enthusiasm to the show starting now. Change it around, turn that front upside down, salty. Because we're giving away, and nothing is more joyful than the act of giving. Can you get on board with me, Salty? I mean, I've lost everything else. I might as well give away my last copy of uh, <laughs> Soul Calibur Six. Go on. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Is there no separation between your mustache and your beard? Is it all just one solid piece of hair? You're off the list. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not in the running to get Salty's last present. No. Damn, dude. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, so we'll be giving away Soul Calibur 6 joyfully, gleefully, happily, we'll be giving it away. Um, we'll have to rely on John, Mike, and myself to bring the, 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 the happiness. But uh, in the meantime, <clears throat> 
don't we get to? Well, I'll let you just take it. No, salty. What, what, do you want to talk about anything? I mean, you're wearing the damn. I mean, uh, <laughs> you're salty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad my my pain brings you pleasure. <sighs> salty, get on with it, pal. Or I'm gonna kick you off this damn stream. We'll see you next year. All right, we'll see you next year. Yeah. Merry Christmas. I feel like we need a recap. I don't know about you. I think we need a recap too, but that's weird that Steve wasn't there to give it, and Salty Claus didn't look like he was willing to recap anything. So, I mean, I was thrown off. My energy was thrown off by Salty Claus, but I did also want to note um, that we're going to have a badass breakdown. We promised people that we were going to break down Red Bull Kumite like a month ago. We never did. Tonight we are. You're going to hit us. Just a teaser here. What's the clip that we'll, or what's the match we're breaking down? So, as you said, we promised we're going to watch this. So I'm going to talk about the grand finals, which was Fujimura, who I think is one of a lot of people's, you know, main picks to win the Capcom Cup versus Problem X, who would be another person high on the list. So, mm -hmm. this is a matchup we could easily see again. And so, watching what happened just a month ago could be a precursor to maybe Problem X trying to switch characters, maybe him learning something new, but we're going to see why Abigail did not work out versus Buki. Yeah, and, uh, you know, spoiler alert, we know who won, but uh, does Ibuki officially blow up Abigail? I guess you'll see in a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> We're excited about that. Um, all right, Steve, would you please, also welcome to the show, Steve, Ace King of the Suit Jerk, would you please oh, hit, us, <laughs> hit us with a recap? Um, yeah, uh, there was only one event that really mattered the one that the entire FGC was focused on this weekend. And that was week five of the Gfinity Elite Series. Uh, the Street Fighter competition, regular season wound down uh, with Excel getting another win over Reason Gaming. Vitality picking up a critical 4-1 win over Envy to round out Group A. Group B had a couple of nail biters, but Fnatic and Nordavin pulled out the victories in the end. Uh, if we look at the final standings, we see that Excel and Nordavent both won their groups. Uh, the numbers on Group B are backwards. Nordavent did win. Fnatic finished second. Hashtag won the three-way tiebreaker for that third-place spot, so they will advance to the playoffs. They play Vitality this Saturday, Method plays Fnatic, uh, and then uh, XL and Nordavin jump in at the semifinals, and then the champion will be crowned uh, this coming Saturday. So does that mean Gfinity is coming to a close, or we're just going to finish the season and then we'll, we'll be back for uh, for next year, most likely? I would assume there's going to be a fifth season. Uh, it has done uh, fairly well on in the UK, so I don't see why there wouldn't be. Uh, number five, but again, I don't know uh, their inner workings or what sort of deal they have. Hey, Steve, what's yes. um, what's Gfinity again? Uh, Gfinity is a team-based competition in the UK. Uh, they recently expanded to Australia as well, uh -huh. but. Uh, there's three different competitions going on. There's uh, FIFA, Street Fighter, and Rocket League. Uh, each game will have its own champion, and then there will be a t an overall team championship crowned by uh, based on the results of each of those three games combined. Hey, Steve. So, yes. You're my champion. Aww. Thank <laughs> that gets me right here. Mm -hmm. Right here. In the left nipple. <laughs> Oddly specific. 
Okay. Um, what else we got? Is that the only recap? Nothing else happened over the weekend? Uh, well, there was one other event you might have heard of. Uh, I think we're going to be talking about that a lot of the show, so I don't have to include that in the recap mm-hmm. just yet. So then uh, you have here on the run of show, quote, in all caps, all the tech and shit. <laughs> Is this no, how you talk right. about where you get your bread buttered? These are the people that um, pay the bills for this you. This is basically how Salty Claus was talking this morning, too, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. Hey, What's going I, on with that? I only, I only use profanity when Salty Claus isn't watching, which is <laughs> always. So, so it means that you're out of the running? Is that what you're telling me? I, I, I'm out of the running for uh, getting that copy of Soul Calibur. It was one hell of a weekend for Tekken. We had not only an incredible uh, Last Chance Qualifier, but also an incredible Tekken World Tour uh, Grand Finals and Championships. There was also, of course, trailers that dropped, character no reviews. Yeah, I mean, everybody was wondering, and even Steve, who you know he know, he's got insider info. Even he was like, man, I really hope there's Julia in here so people shut the hell up about it. And boom, Julia. <laughs> Then uh, one thing that I was actually really interested in, and I'm sure a lot of others were interested in, was seeing what does Negan, or Negan, how do you pronounce his name? Negan? What, is, Negan. What, what, what does he look like in the game? What does he play like in the game? And man, we got that, plus a whole lot more. Um, so why don't we kick things off by uh, talking about Street Fighter Five? Do you want to go to these clips here? Nah, just kidding, <laughs> just kidding. Tekken World Tour had a last chance qualifier, which was pretty exciting. Had a lot of great uh, moments. In fact, our guest was part of it, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes. And uh, uh, Um Steve, wh- wh- where should we start? Uh, well, I mean, it makes sense to start with the last chance qualifier because that was the uh, how the weekend kicked off. So you had this massive, massive tournament with over 300 entrants, uh, all fighting for that one spot in top eight. Um, so it was just absolutely nuts. Uh, probably the most insane set from the entire thing was Pecos versus Dimeback. You had, uh, we've got a clip of it, uh, the triple perfect, the God round, uh, or, or the God game where Pecos got the first game and then Dimeback just answered back with a perfect, then another perfect, then another perfect. That's what the it was it was all the golden letters you could ever ask for and then the final final round of the final game came down to a slow-mo almost trade that Dimeback won in the final final round there there was insanity throughout the entire weekend but this was probably the most insane of the insanity it was just absolutely ridiculous is Tekken the most hype fighting game to watch right now? Dang. I think it is. You know, um, I really feel that what the game nailed is the presentation. You know, what do you mean by that? The slow-mo. The, way the, the, slow-mo, the slow-mo alone does not make... Sparks. Yeah. It enhances. It doesn't make it. You know, you, you have to have good gameplay. But what the slow-mo does, it just enhances those moments. Where where it there's already tension there and it builds that tension up to to a peak, right there with that slow mo. People are saying that Tekken is the Street Fighter Four of Tekken's. I think one person's saying that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, maybe is saying that. I don't know. Um, 
like, I, like I, not I, as a Tekken player. I can sit down. I mean, I played a handful of Tekken, but I don't you know take it seriously or play it on the regular. But if I'm watching a Tekken stream, I'm still getting much more invested than say if I'm watching a Dragon Ball Fighters or, or virtually any other game, even Street Fighter Five. I can appreciate the nuances of it a lot more. But but as like. I mean, obviously, I'm not like just someone off the street. I can appreciate fighting games, but I think even just if you grab anyone off the street and you show them Street Fighter and Tekken and Fighters and and all these you know fighting games that are going on right now, Tekken is like far and away the most entertaining and the most captivating. But it's hard to put your finger on exactly why. I think there's a couple reasons. I think part of it is that it is three-dimensional and the characters are larger on the screen and so it's easier to pick up exactly what's going on for the most part it's pretty straightforward who's getting hit who's getting comboed why something worked um, it's mostly a high versus low kind of situation and then I think another smaller more controversial reason is that I think people have less idea what's going on I certainly do and so situations that you might be like oh that's fucking stupid that that works in Street Fighter you don't have that in tech and you're like, oh, that's sick, that worked, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think a little bit of it is, is it's new and it's not jaded and it's, it's kind of in a period where everyone wants it to do well and succeed, so like people watch it for that way. And it's certainly very exciting. I watched Tekken World Tour and I enjoyed it, so. Yeah, it was pretty hype. It's been awesome. How, how much of that has to do with uh, the commentary team and the four-man commentary presentation? And uh, I mean, that was pretty slick. And there was also some drama. That was a fun moment. People were saying that that's like an esports skit where uh, Rip and um, Reinhardt yeah. were uh, were going at each other and uh, calling each other's out for calling each other out for their uh, records. What did he say? One more tournaments than you've entered, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, something like one that. more tournaments oh. than you'll ever enter. <laughs> the man just got ethered on stream. <laughs> he, he just body bagged. At, uh, <laughs> the, but the chemistry that all of those guys had. Because you had uh, Tasty Steve on there as well. You had Spag. You had or you had uh, Mark Mann and Eris. And they were just mixing and matching throughout the weekend. And it just worked really, really well. Um, I, I didn't think it would work. You know, you know, we saw something similar uh, at Red Bull Conquest, the finals there, where you had like that multi-person setup. If you get the chemistry right, it just makes everything so much better. And two events, they really nailed the chemistry. Yeah, man, it was a lot of fun to watch. Um, it's hard to capture that, but but it's exciting too, right? Because you need, even if it's, you could say, well, it's not my game if you're not a Tekken guy, but you still should be happy to see that kind of reaction, energy, and emotion at a, at a fighting game event. Yeah, and we can take a look at the results of that too. Um, cause that came down, that was a nuts tournament, uh, bit of a surprise double the person I thought would win finished second, uh, to Gerlanda, uh, who came up through the losers bracket, actually lost to double earlier and then got, got, uh, the double win in the run back. So he was the person who got the final spot in the Tekken World Tour Finals. Uh, Dimeback third, Cuddlecore our guest in fourth. Uh, it was a you had a lot of great international representation. You had six different cu countries in top eight. You had twelve different countries in top thirty-two of this thing. So you had you had a pretty balanced representation between Asia, Europe, and the Americas. I guess the United States, because uh, unfortunately, Ab 
Abel Del Maestro did not make it out out into top 32. Steve, aren't you, so, guy, aren't you the guy that always talks shit that Europe, every European country goes under the banner of Europe? And here we have an, an Italian player. And you're not well, saying, well, you're not giving credit for being from Italy. Well, yeah, well, sad. what I'm saying it's is sad. like, when it comes down to the Tekken scene in Europe, it, it seems like Italy and France are the two strongest. So, but even still, when Gerlanda won, that entire uh, that entire arena went nuts. You know, it's it's sort of like my brother before my cousin, but my cousin before my neighbor sort of thing. So, you know. Yeah, One sure. thing I thought was pretty cool about this tournament was, I mean, Tekken has so many rounds. It's three rounds per thing, and they were playing three out of fives, and the rounds are pretty quick. And so you got to see player cam in between almost every round. And I remember in the grand finals, you saw a double go from, like, you know, the epitome, like, so stoic, into just like, you know, like kind of pounding his stick and getting really upset after every consecutive loss and Gerlanda getting more and more hype. So I thought seeing the two of them and their converse emotions like really played into the last set. And I thought it was a lot of fun for that reason. And you had that great, that great visual too uh, afterwards where you had all the Italian players coming up and tossing Gerlanda into the air in celebration. And then you cut back to double who's fighting off tears. You know, th that part is, sucks to see, but just seeing how much this set, this winning, this means to these players, I think shows how big of a deal that this entire tournament is and has become over the last, you know, few years dating back to when it was the king of the iron fist hey steve um anybody who didn't watch the last chance qualifier any matches or moments that they should go back and find on youtube and watch other than the triple uh, perfect which we already showed uh double versus sorry double versus pecos was insane set uh the grand final between uh gerlanda and double or Dimeback versus Pecos, excuse me, earlier. But Double versus Gerlanda was a great set. Uh, you can almost pick five or six, seven different sets from that entire entire tournament and just watch some great Tekken going. You know, and that continued into Sunday as well. We have a Tekken head here in the studio. He uh, was streaming just yesterday with uh, Marduki and didn't get to Armor King. Any moments for you from the last chance qualifier, Elon? Uh, definitely my favorite moment was the Dimeback Pecos saga with the God match, which is just triple perfect, which we watched a little earlier, and then the way it all culminated, it was pretty dope. But uh, another, not necessarily a match, but something I really did enjoy was uh, the French representation, not just in players, but in people watching was amazing. Like, they had rehearsed chants and shit. It was pretty dope. I really enjoyed seeing that. It did seem yeah. like the, the, the venue itself looked cool, like the theater style. Yeah. And, it, and it looked packed. It looked packed, yeah. That's great to see. All right. Uh, anything else you guys want to say about the Last Chance Qualifier? Other than the fact that it's a cool format that is inherently dramatic? No, I like the Last Chance dramatic. Qualifier. It was good. Right on. Um, the finals format. Steve, do you want to tee us off here? What was the finals format for anybody who didn't watch? So if you didn't watch, uh, the 20 players who made it got to uh, go into groups. The top four were put into separate groups uh their identities were hidden until everybody else picked then everyone else from five down to 20 went up in order and they picked which group they wanted to be in uh so you had uh you had moments where people wanted a particular set uh 
or they picked a particular group to either avoid a player or they wanted another shot. Like, like I forgot who it was, uh, said, I want Tishuman said, I want revenge. And he picked JDCR's group, even though he was only like the third person to pick. So, uh, that was pretty good. And then they played a round robin uh, where, you know, the top two advanced into the top eight. Group winner would be on the winner side. Runner up would be on the loser side. And uh, we have the results for that. Uh, group A, uh, you had Rang Chu that, that in a group that came down to the wire, actually. You had Rang, two, Rang Chu, Chanel, and Anakin all tied heading into the final round of matches. Uh, but Rang Chu pulled out his win over Anakin to advance. Chanel got his win to advance. That ended up being pretty significant, as we would see later on. Uh, Group B was all about Jimmy J. Uh, he dominated that one lo- one match he lost was when he was pretty much qualified anyway. Uh, John Ding versus Lohai was a pretty good set. Uh, that determined who would go on, and it was John Ding who took it over the Evo champion. Group C had Kudans making the only undefeated run of the tournament in the group stage. He he went 4-0. Uh, you had a three-way tie between Joey Fury, JDCR, and Tishuman, all at 2-2. Two and two. Uh, Joey Fury won the tie break. We'll, we'll come back to that a little later. Uh, and then Group D, Nee actually needed a win in his last set to make it out of the group. He ended up, he won the group, but it was by the slimmest of margins. Uh, Nobi finishing second, Gerlanda uh, after the last chance qualifier run, finishing third in his group with a two and two record. I have to say for me, I thought this was the weakest part of the tournament. I thought I was much more entertained by the last chance qualifier and by the finals bracket. I think there were some issues that went on the group stages. Obviously, the tiebreaker issue was big. And I think the idea of the group stages where you have these stories that emerge within the groups and you have situations that need to happen, it's kind of lost when it all happens in the span of an hour. Mm. You know, instead of thinking, oh, I've got to do this and beat this guy and the announcer's going to talk about what matches matter. Instead, it's just you watch the same five characters and the same five guys play each other. And I think it's boring. Uh, comparatively in terms of seeing a bigger variety of players and it also kind of the strategy of it gets lost and it gets very confusing and obviously it ended up almost you know ending in catastrophe so I think if they're going to return to group stages they're going to have to figure out something different but I mean Tekken World Tour is still great but I just didn't like the the groups Mike alluded to it Steve what was that controversy Uh, well there was a three-way tie like I mentioned between uh, JDCR Tishuman and uh, Joey Fury. Uh, if we look at the, we actually have the tiebreaker rules uh, that we can show on screen, basically saying that if there's a tie, the first tiebreaker is game differential between the players, then total games won, and then a um, one game tiebreak game to be played between whoever's tied. If, if neither of the first two worked out. Uh, what happened was JDCR and, you know, in the tie, they looked at game differential. Uh, they said JD's, for whatever reason, uh, they either misdid the math or uh, misread how the tiebreaker worked because uh, JDCR and Joey 
were considered tied in that regard. Then they went to games one, which was also tied. So they had the two play a single game tie break and JDCR won that. And then afterwards, they, you know, a bunch of people reached out to them uh, trying to figure out what was going on. And they realized that they shouldn't have been tied in the first place. Uh, Joey Fury was at zero game differential. Uh, JDCR was at minus one, so it should have never gone to the tiebreaker. Uh, after the conclusion of the last group, they came on and said, hey, the tiebreaker rule wasn't followed properly. Joey Fury should have advanced, and he will advance. So JDCR thought he had, he won the game, thought he had advanced, ended up being eliminated. Was there any reaction from JDCR afterwards? Um. He, he he said it was a tough situation, but he understood. Um, he said that on Twitter after the event concluded. Uh, they made mention of him being off stream crying. Uh, I don't. I, I wasn't able to verify that, but I mean, it sucks for him. It sucks for uh, Joey as well, because you can see he, in his top eight match, he wasn't really feeling himself the way he normally does. Uh, yeah, he was. He was getting not so much in the venue, but, you know, in Twitch chat on social media, he was being made out as the villain for something that, you know, it's not his fault. He he should have advanced, you know, and, and yet everyone was like, think, looking at him like, oh, you took JDCR spot. Well, that's silly. So, I mean, yeah, screw that. Yeah, that's water off a duck's back. It has to be because it's not founded in anything. But that is a sticky situation. And. Maybe it's like, well, keep this kind of grounded because otherwise it's just too amazing of an event. We can't have those quite yet. But uh, it it does kind of suck. Um, And, and, you know, having played in a handful of tournaments and such, uh, you don't see it, obviously, because it's it's something that kind of just happens out there in the ether. But the player's fortitude and mental stability to keep going through all of this just with the matches alone is very difficult and the smallest thing can really shake you especially if you have to be going and playing it over and over and over again round robin formats into the next top eight and all that kind of stuff so hats off to these guys for for even going through this and and i am i guess i'm not surprised especially since we're talking jdcr who's never given us any kind of uh, indication that he's like you know a, a sore loser or, or or you know kind of negative on social media or anything like that but <laughs> It would have been interesting to see if that kind of thing happened to maybe a, a louder player, but um, unfortunate through and through, and uh, it sucks. But otherwise, a great event, you know? The big thing to yeah. note about this mess up to me is that unlike, you know, the situations where we saw in Smash where they played on the wrong rules and played a full set, this was a situation where the result had already happened. So while it sucked for JDCR, it didn't change anything. Like, it didn't change the match they played. It didn't change the way the tournament would have gone. The fact of the matter is they basically ended up playing a show match for no reason afterwards, but the result would have been the same whether they had gotten the ruling right or wrong. So yeah, it was it was like 100% something that had to happen. Like it had to be that Joey advanced or they would have, you know, messed up with the integrity of the whole tournament. Mm-hmm. So you can't be mad at Joey for this. Like you can't. Yeah. Like he didn't do no, anything. No, that's silly. Yeah, I, I hope that, you know, I, I personally prefer head-to-head as a tiebreaker first. Um more so satisfying. I, ho- I, I, I hope that gets changed next year, but um, I, I, I prefer the group format. Well, I, I, I don't necessarily prefer it. I like it for this event. I feel like you have, you know, in a bracket, 
if you're given one bad matchup, that puts you at such a huge disadvantage. Here, at least you have to go through, you, you have four chances to prove that you uh, should advance, essentially. Yeah, so, absolutely. I, this is a more refined uh, sampling of, of like who's the best, at least on this particular day, right? It's more consistent in some ways. Yeah. In some it, ways, it, you it, only get certain matchups, and you can pick to favor, and et cetera, et cetera. And there's like, is going last actually bad, or is it good? You know, it, it, it's very interesting. And I think if you have five people in the group, you can't make the tiebreaker game differential because there's too many garbage games at the end. There just are. There's like, when you're on the fifth match, some guy's already, you know, 3-0, and or fourth match, some guy's already 3-0, and or 2-1, and one, and other people are 1-2, and two, and they don't care about that last match. And now suddenly that game differential that means nothing to them means everything to the people below them. So I, I really think it has to be head-to-head -head if you're going to have that many people in a group. And the, I think the, it's a massive oversight, to be honest. The one, the one worry I have, you know, that plays into it a little bit. And this didn't happen as far as, far as I could see. But... When you, especially when you have odd numbered of people in the groups, if you don't play those final matches simultaneously, you have that situation where one participant doesn't care, you know, and they know exactly what result they need to advance or to let their opponent advance. So I, I hope that if, you know, any tournament that uses a group stage, if it's possible, let's have those final matches yeah. played simultaneously just to make sure that there's no chance of anything happening uh, that could impugn upon the sanctity of the competition. All right, guys, before we wrap up the uh, Tekken discussion or, or go over some other Tekken uh, topics, lightning round, lightning round. Just give me your answer and move on for uh, different formats for Pro Tour Finals. Round Robin, block or grab? I block. I don't like it. Steve, block or grab on round robin for Pro Tour Finals. This is courtesy I, of Blue561. He's asking. I grab. I, I, I think different events have different goals, and I like it for this event. John, block or grab on a round robin format for Pro Tour Finals? Um, I'm going to grab uh, with the, with the you know, asterisks of maybe some things could be tidied up a bit, or maybe it's like from a match or an event to event um, you know, kind of thing. But I'll grab overall. And the other option here for blocker grab is double elimination. Um, I mean, I would prefer it to, to this, so I guess I would grab. Steve, blocker grab, double limb. I grab. I, like I said, I like both. You know, Capcom Cup isn't better than Tekken World Tour Finals because of this. The, the reverse is true. So they're both great. John? It's tried and true. It's fine. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't block it. Okay. Moving on then, um, I agree that I do think that groups has a place and I think it could work, but it's, I, I think it worked better for something like E-League and for stuff like the World Cup where you have more time and where well, it's yeah, and also, better thought out. If you out. incentivize like not getting last or something like that, then you can still minimize well, did they, the amount. How'd they seed the top eight? Well, top eight. Uh, top two players in each group, right? Uh, yeah. All the, all the people who won the group came out on winner's okay. side. All, all the people who finished runner-up came out on loser side. Oh, really? And then there was prize differential between, you know, 9th, 13th, and 17th, or 3rd, 4th, okay. and 5th in the group. So there was some sort of financial okay. um, incentive. Is there anything else to say about the uh, finals and results for the actual championship? Uh, the Bears. The Bears. Yeah. Uh, it, we could take a look at this, the how the top eight shook out. And the name up top. Not the name I predicted. I predicted Kudans would win, but 
as my prediction always do, finished second. Uh, Rang Chu came up through the losers bracket and did it with Panda. That's so sick. <laughs> who is like on event hubs? He's like thirty fifth out of forty one. She, I'm sorry. Um, some people consider Panda bottom three. You know, it was just ridiculous. The just to see this low tier character beat so many good players and not just, you know, not just have a good run handled Kudans, handled me, handled Chanel. It was it was impressive to watch. I hear over and over again. And again, I'm not, you know, as immersed into the Tekken scene as perhaps like the Street Fighter scene. But I keep hearing that this game uh, you can win with anybody or almost anybody. And, and I think to that's a degree, bullshit, that's not, but <laughs> you don't think that's <laughs> we'll the case. Going. But then look at look who just won the, the Super Bowl of Tekken. The fucking you know? Panda. It and did happen. I don't. I, I think this kind of stuff happens in other games, though. And I think you still had like five jacks, and you know, like twenty of the characters were absent, and there was way more overlaps than there were not. So like, and I think that's been pretty consistent. So I, I don't know if I've ever believed that. You see a lot of Mishimas, well, you saw a lot of Dragon of, but it is cool that Panda won. But I don't sure, believe and, and that anyone can right, win Tekken Three. Yeah, I don't know for sure, but I but I hear that continue to pop up, and not just because Panda won this event. I hear that I've been hearing it for for months and years that this game, like it, it really more comes down to the player's personal ability and not so much like everyone on the tier list is is more or less viable. Steve, I mean, maybe you I'm not good enough that. or know enough about the game to really judge. I'm just saying that based on empirical data, I don't think it's shown that. But this does help. I won't lie about that. I mean, we did see something like 11 different characters in top eight. You know, it, you, you had a couple people rock Devil Jin, You had Dragonop. You had Jack Seven. But you also had Brian. You had Eddie make some appearances. You had Lily, uh, Alisa, Chloe. Yeah, you, you had a good amount of variety there, even with some people who had uh, a couple of the same characters in their pocket. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Um, Panda, awesome, very cute. Panda, Panda, uh, Panda. cute. Uh, let's talk about some of the reveals. So they, I guess, this counts as a reveal. Tekken Seven hit 1.6 million in sales. How long did it take uh, other franchises in this same amount of time to hit 3.6? Anybody know? I don't have the numbers, but I mean, just in general, fighting games aren't selling quite as quickly as. They have in uh, certain points in history, so it, it can. It's a game that continues to do well, and, and it's good to see, uh, you know, that they're getting some sort of financial reward because that means it's more likely that they're gonna continue support for it. The, uh, I guess we can wait till we talk about Negan here, but uh, there was a lot of. Uh, I guess the official Walking Dead Twitter account retweeted that trailer, and we'll get to that in a sec. Uh, but this is 3.6 million units sold, right? Clearly, that's what that what, what you meant to write here. Okay. Yeah. So then the other big reveal was they put out a trailers, plural, uh, that revealed that Marduk, Armor King, and Julia were the remaining characters, and uh, not only that, that Marduk and Armor King were already available the next day. You can play them. There's Marduk right here with a gnarly beard. He always had a beard, right? No. Can't remember. No, I don't think so. I think he just got it. Yeah, that's like the thing to do and you know, do the sequel of the game. Give him yeah, a beer. I think they got most of the characters I heard people crying about. It was Anna Williams, it was Julia, it was Marduk, and they got them all. So, 
Well, it looks awesome. Seems like they've finally... And, and uh, you know, uh, Harada's done a good job of acting like he wasn't going to give anyone they want and then still giving them what they wanted. Don't ask me for which shit. Which I think is the best way to go about things because it sets no expectations and you get all the glory out of it. So if you're willing to keep up the poker face for that long, uh, it pays off in spades. And I think Karana hit that. Hit, hit me with that Armor King trailer, would you? So, did they not transition from him kicking King's ass to into armor? Well, you, you might yeah. be you might be fooled into thinking that because of how slick Elon's edit was right now, live and in color. Um, here is Armor King. Armor King's cool. He looks cool, but I remember. Okay, I've never been like a diehard Tekken guy, but I had it on the PlayStation back in the day, and I was like, what's the deal with Armor King? Like, who gives a shit? I already have King. So, um, so he's, King he's, he's King's uh, mom. <laughs> so okay, now I get it. So since he's King's mom, that's pretty cool. That's pretty legit. Having King's mom on there. Um, yeah, a lot of people want. Uh, and Julia is King's mom too. Armor <laughs> King, two moms. That's very progressive. Um, but I guess JDCR is uh, like a Armor King main or something like that. Steve. He he was a very happy man. There were quite a few happy people after this because like at the end of this trailer, you also had a uh, the reveal of Julia coming back which is oh thank god because I am so tired of hearing about I miss Julia I'm on Julia bring Julia back okay but let's talk she's about back. Julia in this trailer here for a second um what the hell's going on she's a twitch streamer now or something or? <laughs> she's the easiest cosplay ever Thirteen seconds after this trailer popped up, every cosplayer ever posted their own Julia. Because oh hey, I'm wearing that. Cool, and I can take a selfie. Awesome, <laughs> bam! Julia cosplay immediately. Um, but she's always been like like an environmental activist or some shit, and now she like streams it. Yeah, being, being an activist for the environment. She's yeah. uh, she, Cortez. She's all or about fighting deforestation. Uh, so she's she's using her reach apparently to get. Uh, to get uh, that money That's pretty to, neat. Get, to save the forest. Hopefully it doesn't get audited. Mash like and sub on her. Um, I'm I, a fan of Julia because she's about, an American and, uh, you know, T-Hawk. So anyway, John, what do you want to talk about? I want to talk about Negan because um, I've been kind of studying him as a character for like the last year or so. And then he jumps into Tekken and there's like mixed response to it. And I kind of want to talk about it. So first and foremost, Negan is is a very popular you know pop culture character right now and i remember when he first rose to prominence um, there's probably going to be some spoilers for walking dead so just you know tune out if, if, that, if that's for you but um this scene at the end of uh, like two seasons ago or whatever it was he came out and i remember us talking about it in the on an event hubs call saying that would be such a sick character for mortal Kombat because mm -hmm. he i mean he has a bat wrapped with barbed wire and his first appearance here is pretty physical and violent because he ends up killing two characters, right? Just by bashing their heads in. Here's the thing. Um, it's weird a little bit for Tekken, but it's okay because he's, he's, everybody knows who he is. Everyone goes, man, I know that character from the TV. I'd like to play it. And here I am, you know, like breaking it down and thinking about it from all these different angles. And is this a good call or not? But there's very much a part of me that goes, man, I saw that character on the TV. I want to play him. Um, so they they announce him, everyone's kind of like, well, maybe that'll work. Then we get to this, where we actually see uh, a pretty smart recreation of his most famous scene. But of course, instead of the Walking Dead cast, you have the Tekken characters, and they actually get up and fight him, which is which is nice. Um, 
the thing about Negan, he's actually not a very physical character. If you've watched the show, he's been around for like, what, two and a half seasons or so. And he's only had like maybe two and a half physical altercations or so. And, and that's like 17 episode season. So he's much more about his presence, the way he runs things, his charisma, his delivery of, of lines and such. And they do try to capture that here. It's, it's one thing to have Jeffrey Dean Morgan deliver a pretty amazing acting performance and a whole other thing to try to get, you know, in a, in a video game trailer, recreate his, his flow of speed. That's actually fairly easy. But then the way he moves around, the way he delivers his lines, the way he like does that little like pump backwards when he's, when he's talking to emphasize certain things. Um, and they tried it in here, and I and I heard a lot of people, I don't remember what each of you said, like, in our chat, for instance, I think it was Mike that said it was kind of a boring or, or not, it didn't really do it for you, reveal. Classic. Um, and, and, and the same kind of thing happened in, like, the Event Hubs chat, where a lot of people were like, no, it was just boring, I didn't get it, I, I, I don't really know. And I think that is just because a lot of people, like, it, it doesn't quite translate. The performance and the acting performance translating into a video game, they tried really hard, they did a decent job, but like the pauses and the drama of it all, maybe it didn't quite translate. Plus the stakes aren't as high because these guys are actually getting up and fighting him and there's no actual death in Tekken. But all that said, I think that this was a very, very smart move by Bandai because like I said before, everyone's gonna recognize there are gonna be more than a few people that get this game or download this character just because they like the character. And it, it you know, it further branches out into the, the bigger, wider world, which is something that, you know, we wanna do as esports fighting games to, to help grow our our scene and everything. And so I I think that for anyone that's wondering whether or not this is a good call. Yeah, seven out of ten. It was a good call, in my opinion. Um, Mike, what did you think? I thought it was kind of a lazy trailer. I thought it kind of looked like it was made in Gary's mod. Um, it was like there's like no animation at several points. His lines are pretty poorly uh, synced up with his lips. Um, as John said, you know, I didn't know much about the show, but what John said makes perfect sense because his fighting style seems very contrived. It's like, oh, dude with bat swings. And it's obvious that he didn't fight in the show because if he did, they would have done something more clever because I think the way he fights looks super boring, to be honest. Like, it's like occasionally, like, he rakes you with a little barbed wire. I don't know. It just yeah. swing, swing, swing. There, there's nothing really there to me. So well, I think it's cool power. to have him in the game. And his obviously, the voice acting is fantastic. Like, there's no, no qualms there. And people are going to like it, so I can't hate that hard. But, I mean, I wasn't impressed. Right. As, as a non-physical character, his power comes in from the fact that he is almost omnipresent. The, in the show, every one of his followers, they all say, I am Negan. And the idea is that you never know if Negan is actually watching and monitoring you or not. So you have to play by his rules um, uh, lest you be you know, murdered or killed or whatever. And so, but he himself very rarely exerts any physical, any physical power or anything like that. He just has his lackeys do it for him and he uses his aura and his presence to get the job done otherwise. So yeah, maybe not the best, but again, everything else considered and the fact that people aren't gonna think that far into it and they're just gonna, I wanna use Negan's back. Well, I'm sorry, Lucille. Uh, I think it's really going to work. So, See, yeah, I, go ahead. I, I, it, it, I'm sort of back and forth on the trailer because, you know, I'm not a huge Walking Dead person. Um, Same. The, the animation of Negan looks stiff and it doesn't look finished. It makes him look really, really unathletic compared to the rest of the cast. Mm -hmm. But like you were saying, 
it kind of works because you just have a guy who's got this bat and and he's just swinging for the fences. Um, I will take issue with you calling the trailer lazy because of how many references they were able to get in to the rest of the show. There is a uh, video. Uh, I forget his username and I apologize. We'll we'll link it in the chat here in a bit. But uh, it's on event hubs right now where you compare the trailer that they just launched to the scenes uh, that they drew it from. And it was just so well done, especially when you have, when you compare the situation of the characters and how they're related to each other uh, to the characters they replaced. It, it, it just, there was a lot of care put into at least that aspect of it. So All right, guys, we're going yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're gonna, to we're gonna move on because uh, our boy here is on a time crunch and we want to get to his breakdown. Oh, Infinitely yeah. fast Negan blocker grab. I mean, overall, I've got a grab on the character. Steve, blocker grab. Negan? Grab. Play with us at home, by the way. John, blocker grab. Grab-a-roni. It Grab-a-roni. worked. I don't love it, but it worked. Grabs so all around. I can't. We got some blocks in the chat. All right, guys. Um, those characters will be available soon. You should go ahead and play them. We're gonna before we transition to talk about uh, Capcom Cup and uh, visas and whatnot. We're gonna have a breakdown. Tell us what matches is, where it was from. Bring it back to the top of our mind. Put us back in the spot of where this is coming from. All right, from. we're doing this match, even though it's a little old because we promised we would, and people remembered in the chat. Um, this is Fujimura versus Problem X from Red Bull Kumite about a month ago. Um, this was the grand finals, and both of these players are top seeds in the Capcom Cup. So it's very, very possible these guys could meet again down the line. Uh, notably, Problem X went with Abigail in this matchup. Um, he switched to Bice in the last game and got rolled over. But it's clear that Abigail was who he wanted to pick versus Fujimura. For all the good it did him. So go ahead and get us going here. So if you just go to this clip, basically the first part of what I'm going to be showing is a series of short clips that shows the range Ibuki can play at, which is if you see, this is round start, and this range is Ibuki's advantage. And essentially, if she can hold this the whole match, she's going to win. And we'll show you a few examples why. Um, the first one you see, it's right outside the regular V-skill range and right inside the held V-skill range. And the first option Problem X tries to escape this constant V-scale meter building trap is the run to armor through it, gets crush countered on reaction, no problem, combo afterwards. And so next clip, we're going to see him playing about the same range. Here, he's backed up after a block string, and now he's just doing all of these V-skills, last one hits, and if you notice, he's got V-trigger now, and look at his health, only like a quarter down. So if you keep going, V-trigger. Third clip, same deal. If you pause, you know, he's, or it's paused different. Okay, go back to the beginning. He's playing at that same range here, round start type range. Abigail tries to jump in, easy reaction with the stand heavy kick. Next clip. Here again. I'm just going through the options slowly. Um, That one seemed to have lagged. Do you want to start at the beginning? Just move through a little click. Um... No, the very beginning. That is the beginning of a pal. Uh, okay, well, this one's going quickly on the screen for me. But anyhow, keep it going. He whiff punishes a standing fierce with a V-trigger. Same type deal. And then last one. Here we're going to see, finally, he's able to confirm in this range. He can be proactive instead. 
and he can harass with kunai, and those on hit will confirm. And then the big deal is if you go to the clip where they're all layered on top of each other, basically what you can see is all of these start at the exact same range. And Fujimura, every single round of every single match, held this range, and then if you play them frame by frame, you're gonna see that basically what happens is no matter what option Problem X chooses, there's an easy reaction from Fujimura to beat it. The only real way for Problem X to escape the situation is to either jump when Fujimura is trying to do something proactive, like throw a kunai, which is a total guess, or for him to hope he doesn't react. But outside of that, because Ibuki has the walk speed advantage, and because she's winning at that range already and continuously getting V-Trigger the whole time and chipping Abigail down, he has to do something random to get out. And basically, all of them are very, very low probability options. Is that a 7-3 matchup if you play it like this? Because I think these are two of the absolute best in the world, and, and it felt like Problem X just was shut down. I think it's quite bad. I don't know if it's 7-3, but that combined with a few of the things I'm going to show next and, you know, EX Air Kunai stopping all of Abigail's anti-airs, I really think there's very little he can do outside, and that's how a lot of grappler matchups go, right? Theoretically, on paper, the grappler shouldn't be able to escape. But I think what's unique about this is that it's so easy for Ibuki to consistently do these options. It's not something where like, oh, if he doesn't react to a 20 frame dash, you know, he loses. It's like, if he doesn't anti-air a 50 frame jump in, he loses. It's very different. So I'll show a couple more quick clips. Um, All right, so here we go. This one you were just gonna talk over, right? Right, and so this one's basically, Another key to beating grapplers is to make sure that you're doing the safest, highest reward option. So here, at the beginning of the clip, we don't see it, but if you freeze right at the beginning, um, Problem X has just dashed in to go for a command grab. So now if you pause right here, usually what people wanna do is neutral jump. And the reason you wanna neutral jump is because if they command grab, you're gonna be able to punish with a full combo. But the issue with that is if he instead say normal grabbed, he could punish you for neutral jumping. Fujimura instead goes for the back jump. And if you play the clip, he uses a really interesting technique of throwing the held kunai to get a max damage punish versus that, which is pretty rare to see. And in a similar vein, you see the same type of deal here. He's in a block string, he sees this unblockable, he jumps backwards, and he's able to get the punish with the V trigger instead. And so what he's shown is that Ibuki's able to get a lot of damage while choosing a safe option like jumping backwards, which Abigail's very difficult time beating, essentially. And I think there's one more clip here, which is just one more situation showing a lot of awareness. You don't see this very often, but he dashes up and grabs Abigail as soon as he starts charging the unblockable. And a lot of these fake kind of, I'm gonna block string into the unblockable situations, you can do that. Now is this um, the matchup? How much of it is the matchup? How much of it is Fujimura and his incredible reactions? What this shows to me is something that you haven't seen in a long time, which is the weaknesses of grapplers actually coming to the forefront, which is that the matchup is hard, and usually you make up for hard grappler matchups by being stupid and doing a lot of damage and winning in two hits, and Fujimura refused to let that happen. And actually, every match he lost was because that happened. Every round he lost was a comeback, essentially. But when he was able to hold control, which he was, because he's so consistent and so optimized, he just shut him down completely. Okay. Well, that uh, pretty much wraps up our analysis. Dunk analysis, I think they're uh, coining here. Hashtag dunk analysis. Uh, we're going to most talk because if I'm not mistaken, I know you at home, you're going to be very upset. Dunk has to leave. Sorry, boys. Yeah, man. What are you, uh, in the middle of finals here? Yep, something like that. Right on, homie. Uh, so we're going to say bye to uh, Donka. Bye, Donka. Hasta luego. 
And we are, we're going to continue on um, discussing the topics. And then, of course, don't leave. We have Cuddlecore, an interview with Cuddlecore. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> we got I'll, two Steve's here. I'll your sandwich between two of me. Yeah, I mean, this is my dream come true, really, if you think about it. Oh, God. Um, all right, guys. So uh, moving on. Who, uh, Steve, I'm sorry. John, are you following the situation here with uh, Crossover? Yeah, I've been looking at Capcom Fighters Twitter to see what's going on. Yeah. Uh, to see if anything updates, and I haven't seen anything as of late, but I haven't checked in like five minutes, so give me a second. Okay. Um, Steve, why don't you catch us up on what's going on with Crossover? Uh, well, today, Crossover took to Twitter and announced that he was unfortunately not going to be able to compete in Capcom Cup. Uh, he said, quote, it saddens me to say that I won't be able to make it to Capcom Cup due to the embassy and DR not approving my visa. I'm in tears now and in so much pain. I worked all, hard all these years to get this opportunity, and this happened. I'm grateful for the friends I have. See you in 2020. Uh, and then Capcom, uh, they came back and responded, saying, quote, we're aware of the situation, the crossover situation. It is our understanding that he will be attempting some kind of last appeal. Uh, we will update when we have a final decision regarding his status and who will take his place should he not be able to attend Capcom Cup. And then right before we went on the air, they tweeted out that they're currently working with Crossover for a solution to his visa issue and that if he ends up unable to attend Capcom Cup, uh, they'll be looking at replacement the next eligible player based on the placements of the Latin America Regional Final Top 8. Wait no, so so it's based on the top eight as opposed to, as opposed to uh, the global leaderboards, but the next Latin American player down. Well, they've, uh, Capcom has whenever someone's been unable to attend an event, uh, attend Capcom Cup, they have replaced them with the next person up based on how they qualified. Uh, if you remember when Knuckledew couldn't attend Capcom Cup last year. Uh, he was replaced with he, he had qualified by being the champion so they replaced him with Ricky Ortiz the runner up um, this year we actually have a list of the results from uh, versus fighting uh, from this year and you can see that after crossover it would be Piccolo and then Doomsnake uh, should either of them be unable to make it um, or should crossover not be able to make it uh, it's unfortunate. Visas have been very tough for uh, fighting game players to deal with. Uh, Crossover is not the first person to miss out on Capcom Cup due to visa issues. Uh, it's happened with uh, IPS finals as well, uh, especially with the Russian players, some of the Latin American players. Uh, Leffen had to deal with visa issues and couldn't compete in the U.S., for almost a year because of that uh so it's and what's to say that whoever the next person like say that uh crossover can't make it the next guy i mean he might not have or you know visa visa clearance either at this point it's a little bit late in the game to start getting that whole process going isn't it well i mean he's he came out and said that he applied as soon as he won yeah so like the next day he, he he went out and tried to get the visa. Not like issue, a month ago. Yeah, the issue is, um, you know, for athletes, 
it's easy to show, you know, you have to, you have to show that you're providing a certain skill and, you know, there's special exceptions for athletes and athletic competitions. Esports for, for by and large, isn't recognized as that. Um, a lot of visas are improved, are approved on a case by case basis. So this could be a case of one person approving it and the other person not, uh, same happened with Leffen when he reapplied after he got kicked out the first time he tried, he was rejected and then he tried again and was approved. So just got to get the right person on the right day to give you the stamp or not. Huh? Because of this nebulous position of esports in terms of, is it a sport? Is it a competition? What is it? It It's sort I, of, I have to imagine that's yeah. going to get easier and easier as we go though. Right. Um, oh, sure, sure. Because it's becoming, it is becoming more well-known. I mean, you probably have, uh, if if you work at a, you know, at a consulate or something, you probably have a nephew or a son or a cousin or somebody that plays Fortnite or whatever. The point is that it's more and more uh, out there as a thing, and it's easier to prove. Like, no, look at these videos. Look at the I don't know, uh, but I just feel like it's it's, it's more in the air. So hopefully uh, we do end up seeing Doomsnake in Capcom Cup. It would suck to see a player not get an opportunity because of something like this. You yeah. mean uh, crossover? What, what did I say? Doomsnake. Doomsnake. Well, Doomsnake is apparently signed up for the uh, last chance qualifier. So one way or another, we'll see him that weekend. Hopefully yeah. they both make it. Yeah. yeah. Guys, are there any other topics you wanted to hit? You have here eSports, a medal event at Southeast Asia Games. What's this? Uh, that was something that just got announced uh, last week. Uh, the Southeast Asia Games will have esports will be handing out medals for esports competitions uh there'll be two mobile games two console games two pc games uh one of the mobile games has been announced mobile legends the rest of the titles are to be determined so we'll see if a fighting game gets thrown in with that john are we saying bye to you right now uh i'm gonna watch the uh the rest of the show from the uh from the stream monster pool hey john what are you working on on event hubs right now Oh gosh, uh, looking at more season four stuff and trying to get predictions going out and, and covering back over all that tech and hype and, and such and, and then hey, Smash Ultimates in just a few days. Yeah, so that's on Friday. That's really what's on our. Yeah. Are you, you going to play Smash, John? Nah, not really. I'm going to write about <laughs> it a little bit. That's it. Nah, <laughs> I'm not into it. Um, you should hey, play it, bro. It's we, a really we, fun party game. We have someone who's going to play it, uh, Elon. Elon's going to play it. I'm going to play it, and we're going to try to get. Um, Mike to play it. Donka is actually a pro-level Smash player. I don't know if y'all know that. But we're going to try to get him on uh, playing some. Um, cool. John, thank you so much as always. John Velociraptor Guerrero writes for EventHubs.com. He's also on numerous podcasts, including the EventHubs one. Are you still doing the one with Born Free? Um, no, people keep asking about that. He's talking about maybe moving out to the West Coast. And if he does that, we want to get some regular streaming and podcasting and such in. So, uh, yeah, pester him on Twitter to actually get moved out here so we can do all that. Yeah. Everybody, go to Twitter and hit up at Born Free Tweets. I think that's his handle. Um, and tell him that you want that podcast back and more content from him. All right, guys. Uh, or, John, thank you so much. Steve, it's just, it's just you and me, buddy. Let's do a quick giveaway while we get uh, Cuddlecore on. Oh! Look what he did. <laughs> <laughs> so, Elon, you want to talk to me in the meantime? What's going on, pal? 
Let's get rid of this. Uh, yeah, not to brag or anything, but uh, I, I've entered one Smash tournament in my lifetime. Yeah, and how'd you Ooh. do? And uh, I did not go the equivalent of 0-2. What'd you do? Uh, I won one match since they do yeah. they do round robin. So uh -huh. I won one match, and everyone else was very pissed off that I was playing Jigglypuff. Dude, man, I hate some of the fans uh, on Smash because of stuff like that. Um, we're going to bring Steve back on here in a second. I mean, Salty Claws. We're going to give away a copy of Soul Calibur 6. Hope you all are excited about that. When are you going to open this raffle, Elon? Wait, we're oh, waiting God. on you, pal. Look, I'm trying to do eight things here. Will you give me a break? It's open. Every Everyone, all right, everyone guys. enter. Go. Type in uh, exclamation point raffle if you want in on this raffle. We're giving away. Salty Claws is giving away, not me. Um, I don't give anything away. I'm a cheapskate. Uh, we're giving away a copy of Soul Calibur 6. You might think, why not give away a copy of Tekken, since that's such a hype game, and you can play as a panda? Well, Salty Claws didn't think that far in advance. He only bought a copy of Soul Calibur, and that's what we'll be giving away. And I probably should have mentioned that if you're not in the continental United States, don't be a jerk. <laughs> it costs a lot to ship these things. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. It is what it is. I think I can hear her. Oh, yeah. Hello, Cuttercore? Hello? Hello. Yeah! Sweet! We lost your picture, but we hear your voice. Oh, yeah. Okay, hold on. Okay, I just had to fix some stuff. But I'm, I'm good. I'm here. Um, Cuddlecore, your name is Janelle Carter. Is that, am I getting that right? Yes. Nailed it. Um, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us all the way from Amsterdam, if I'm not mistaken, at 2 a.m. no less. Um, yes, thank you for having me. Yeah, I was, we were super grateful you were able to make time for us. Um, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, I've never been in Amsterdam, so I've really been enjoying my time with like the team and my friends. Mm -hmm. so. What kind of things are you getting into up there? Uh, well, we've been to a lot of different places, um, just like uh, it's called the Dom Square or like Center. Um, we, I think, we've been to some museums. Um, I got to play with um, a few of the Korean players too. And so it's just been really nice trying the foods and stuff, just everything. It's been so exciting. Yeah, I think there was some footage on Twitter of you trying out the new characters with some of the uh, Korean players that are over there. Is that right? Well, uh, I got to play with uh, JDCR. So Armor King uh, was one of his is one of his mains. I didn't try them out because I already like have mine, but I got to experience how uh, he plays in this game and he made him look so good as a character just so well -rounded. i was like this is a completely different version of armor king i mean he's very similar but like uh he has some strengths that jdcr picked up on right away right on i can't wait to see him so so speaking of those new characters what are your first impressions of him and marduk like just from what you were able to to pick up oh they're they're very strong like they were when I thought about how they were in their previous uh, game uh, tag, like in tag two, and then I compared them to how they are now, they are still just as strong, maybe even stronger, because it's a solo game. And I saw like their um, their rage drives, their their damage, and just some of the things that made them strong before, they're still here now. So it's just gonna make them better. Like, do you think uh, which one? If you had to pick one to be more afraid of right away. Uh, who do you think? Which way are you leaning? That was a, a, a very unconvincing armor game. No, because I had to think about... They seem very similar to me. Um, just some of the... Um, 
just grapples, maybe some of the guesses, uh, their um, their power, damage. But I saw some cheap things on the internet with uh, Armor King, and I was kind of convinced. Like, I thought about it, and I'm like, no, no, I think he's more broken, <laughs> like in regards to just throw potential. So let's go back a little bit, a couple of days, and uh, talk about the Tekken World Tour Finals. Um, we have, we're curious to know how you feel about uh, your performance there at that at that tournament. Uh, I honestly, when I when I played, I was kind of like, okay, well, slash chance qualifier. Um, don't know what to expect, but I've been training, and I know I'm prepared for this moment. This is gonna be great. So um, I was impressed with myself because. Um, all the training I'd done through the whole year, uh, this was the finals. And uh, though I didn't qualify to um, get in with the top like 20 or even 19 originally, um, I felt like all the studying and all the questions that I asked and just reviewing videos, it all like it paid off. How I started from the beginning of the year to now, I see massive improvement. Was there one match uh, throughout the tournament that you thought, okay, this is the best th this is the best i've played hmm. Uh, hmm. not in particular I, I thought it was just um more so how i was approaching each match that made me feel like these were the best matches i have played <laughs> honestly compared to it just being like one in particular um because i felt like before it was sort of like uh i, I would have a certain mindset when i would play so what would happen is I might I um, sometimes would lose because um, I wasn't fully paying attention to certain things while playing, but I was doing that the whole time and I knew what I was doing wrong and right uh, more so than I did before. So I felt like all my matches I had control of, win or lose. So. All right, that, that, that's uh, you know you talk about starting at the beginning of the year. Um, or, or sorry, we'll, we'll get that to that in a little bit. Um, you did have to run into Dimeback, uh, who is your teammate on Equinox, uh, to in top four. Did your mindset change you know, when you're facing your teammate, or w was your approach any different than it was versus anybody else? Mm, no, I just I looked at it more as like who I was playing, like as just his style, not like him being my teammate because it's not the first time I played against someone who maybe I've sparred with a lot or maybe I've just um I've been on the same team with it's happened multiple times um it was more like okay I know how he plays so I can't do maybe a b and c but I can do you know this so I had to kind of think about it as like what I didn't want to get hit by what I knew like weaknesses of the character uh strengths of the character and things like that um so it, I don't think emotionally there was no conflict for me there. I think it was more just um, understanding like my game plan, dealing with um, his play style and character. Did, was it sort of tough, uh, you know, like right at because you seem very supportive of um, afterwards too. Uh, was it tough to go from like this is the guy to put me out to oh I I, I want to see him win right afterwards. No, not at all. Actually, it wasn't hard at all. Just because um, um, I knew he had worked this whole year to get to this place. Uh, he had been traveling the whole time to different countries, just nonstop, just hardcore, just so passionate about being here. Me, I didn't really get that um, 
that chance. I was in school the first half of the year. So what I had in the line was, though it was important, it wasn't the same as to what he had been doing. So I was like, man, you know, he deserves this. And, um, and I hope he is able to carry through to the end. We have a question from chat. Citra one says, uh, quote, she got emotional after her loss. What was she thinking right after that? Oh, after I lost to him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, man, I, I knew right away that the things that I did wrong, I was, a dis- I was disappointed that I couldn't, you know, close it out. And uh, the, the third game between us, I, I, I uh, missed some really key points where I could have easily um, brought it back in certain games. And I think I was just disappointed that I, I couldn't uh, close it out or make it closer at the end, but definitely wasn't disappointed about, um, you know, him at least advancing. I was proud of that though. And, you know, hope to come back stronger if we ever play again. Right on. What were your thoughts sort of, uh, we, we talked about it a little bit uh, during the show, but what are your thoughts as a player on the event as a whole, you know, the, the format and, you know, everything that, that happened that weekend. Mm. It was, it was exciting. It was very overwhelming at first because I had uh, never been to a final for Tekken. I'd only sat kind of at home and watched them from Twitch and to actually be in another country experiencing just the special treatment that all the players got, how well, uh, how well uh, the tournament for last chance qualifier was ran and the finals, except for maybe like a few mess ups here and there um honestly just it, it was a good feeling because there's so many tournaments where like, you know Tekken's there or but sometimes um it's, it's it doesn't always feel as special like it's not given maybe certain respect maybe by like um people as a whole or sometimes it just it's chaotic sometimes the tournament's just chaotic but even though there were 320-ish um, competitors at, you know, last chance qualifier and just tons of people at the finals, it felt like they were prepared pretty much for, for everything. And um, they're very understanding of the players. And these are people who care so much about Tekken as a, as a whole and the community and been with, um, with, with them to the end. And I know a lot of them, so... It felt like it was a good end to uh, a great year of Tekken growing in so many ways and getting more people and producing a lot of great players. So it was, it was great. I, was, I wasn't surprised, actually, that it was that good. Yeah. Speaking on that, you, you've, kinda, you've been in the Tekken scene for a while. So you've seen you know, where, where Tekken, you know, even a few years ago, wasn't necessarily treat, at a lot of events treated as like one of the big games. How how is it going from that to now where it's sort of like in this big three with Street Fighter Five and Dragon Ball Fighters where it's all sort of generally on that same level? Like, uh, how does that feel? Or like, yeah, yeah. How does it feel? About time. <laughs> <laughs> because um, I remember uh, I started in Tekken Tag Two, like competing, and. You know, people would ask me, oh, you play a game? Why do you play? And I'd be like, I play Tekken Tag. I play Tekken Tag, too. They're like, oh, what's that? And I'm like, are you serious? You really haven't heard? <laughs> oh, okay. Like, and then I start to pick up on, like, our, our numbers were always lower in regards to entrance compared to other 
games like Street Fighter, we would have like maybe um, 50 to 100 entrants. And to me, I always thought that was huge, right? <laughs> because I'm thinking, oh man, like we this is a major. And then I compare that to now where we get like um, Evo, we got a thousand five hundred, and before it was like less, way less than that, and um, and now at majors we see just like international players coming all the time, and um, it's like one hundred, maybe between one hundred to three hundred because the game's gotten so popular, um, and people get more exposure because of that too. Players that have been solid and, and just well-rounded for years now getting more recognition that they deserve because there's so many eyes being drawn to the game now. Um, it's definitely it's, it's about time, and I'm I'm glad it's finally getting the support that it deserves because it's definitely one of those fighting games that if you study and you practice and you put in that work, you see it pay off. Um, and it doesn't matter how you play; like you can be as creative with your play style, and it, like none of that matters. Like it's so unique in how anybody can approach the game a different way. As long as you're solid, you can use any character. You can still beat people in matchups, though it may be a little harder. As long as you have the right mindset and, and you have the dedication, like Tekken's the kind of game where it rewards you so much in the end that it's like, man, I, it makes you feel so good when you start seeing improvement. Do you play any other fighters? I played Soul Calibur. Okay, well, that's that, I guess that makes sense, right? Uh, in the same somewhat family, if you will. Yeah, it makes it easier to kind of um, transition between. I, I used to play both equally. We have some questions here from the chat. Um, so Angel Hunter forty eight want to know if you played other fighters. You already answered that. Uh, Inkcross wants to know if you're going to sub to Julia <laughs> on her stream. <laughs> oh wait, because uh, oh. because she's a streamer now in this iteration of the game. Um, um. <laughs> I'm going to steal Steve's question here. Uh, what who what character would make you want to hug Harada? Run on stage and hug Harada. Because none of them, because I already have mine. <laughs> Good I'm point. You know, you you were talking earlier about uh, how you can win with almost any character, and we saw that with Rangchi winning the Tekken World Tour Finals. How do you think the balance sits in this game? Do you think anybody it is way too strong or way too weak? No, actually, I don't. Um... I think it's very balanced. Um, I, I mean, there are characters that have maybe better moves to deal with matchups across the board. But um, I, okay, the fact that I saw a, a panda, technically a panda <laughs> player, um, you know, take on take on Devil Jin, beat Devil Jin, Mishima's, which are supposedly supposed to be some of the best characters in the game, right? Obviously, that might that can't be that true if you have a panda. I mean, but yet again, it goes back to he. Frank Chu is a fundamentally sound player as well, so uses panda strengths, tries to remove the weaknesses, and, like, it's just completely, very, very balanced. It, it, I, I don't find it to be, like, I don't think there's overly strong characters, but I feel like there's some that might do maybe more damage, but everybody even has a combat factor, too, with their rage drive, so even then it's like it bounces out that way. So I just, I can't think of any character that's overly strong or too weak. Where do you think, uh, Eliza, ah, sorry. Where do you think, uh, the, I can talk, I swear. Uh, Alyssa, where do you think she sits? 
on there. Oh, Alyssa? Yeah. I, I can talk. I swear. I promise you. Um, I would say A, A plus, S minus. Damn, that's pretty high. So that's why you. Well, that's why you play her, of course. You're so high on the tier list. <laughs> I, I'm. I'm used to everybody saying like their own character. Yeah, solid B. B, B, B plus. You know, so downplaying their own characters. Mm-mm. I, I'm, I'm, I won't. I'm not a down player. Um, only because okay. Her um, her comeback factor, the fact that she can um whip punish. From maybe about like range zero point five to one, and get a full combo and a tailspin, and and you can win with you know that's like a that's a clutch like come back at the end kind of thing. You barely have any life. Uh, her movement, her um her punishers, she's very strong. Her chainsaws, she has a power crush from chainsaws. Like I'm, she's she's so safe, um, and you can kind of hide her weaknesses like that. Um, I just, I think you have to be very creative to use her, but I think her damage, her neutral gain, her movement specifically, she can step things that other characters cannot. And it always surprises people when I do certain things because it's like, oh, I didn't know you could step that. Well, you can't. She can. <laughs> so, um, and the fact that her stance um, kind of locks down uh, opponents along with kind of fooling them to thinking they can punish something when they actually can't, yeah, that's huge. She's not straight. Uh, she's straightforward with her neutral, but she's not straightforward with her her um her chainsaw like gimmick stance, if you will. And uh, I think that's a nice balance for high level play. So A plus, S minus for sure. Yes, yes. <laughs> All, right. All right. So let's yeah, let's back it up a little further. Just not not just for the weekend, but 2018 in general. Because um, you've been on a heck of a journey. Uh, starting at E-League. How did that come together? Uh, how did E-League come together? Yeah. Like, like, did you sign up? Were they, did they call you or? Oh man, let me tell you. No, that's the crazy thing. No, I, okay. I was at school and I was, oh man, taking so fun. Seven's really turning out well. I get an email. Um, I, uh, I got an email from Anakin no, a uh, Facebook message from Anakin, I believe. And he was like, hey, what's your email? And I'm like, oh, well, uh, it's this. And I'm thinking to myself, why did I just give him that? And I'm thinking, oh, whatever, you know, Tekken stuff, I'm sure. He said it was, like, Tekken-related, I believe, but I didn't know for what. Then I get an email, and it's like, you have been invited to um, E-League, Tekken Team Takedown. And I'm like, what in the world is this? I read a little more, and I was like... Wow, this is this huge. Um, I'd never heard of E League um, at the time, but I knew I, I, my friends told me it was huge. But then, and then I get another text. Uh, I get a text asking if I want to be a captain, one out of the four, and I'm like, this is no way this is happening to me. Like, <laughs> I'm like, oh man. And I always wondered, like, what? Why me? Um, but. They wanted to, like, I believe they wanted good, good players from kind of each region or players they knew would bring a good show. And that's what happened. So. It was one hell of a show. Are you kidding me? You're underplaying it there. You're underselling it. 
Okay, but I, yeah, maybe I am underselling it a little bit, but um, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. The, the experience was, was I, I will never forget it. Um, the treatment we got there was, was I've never experienced anything like that. Every time I needed something, I needed gum, because at the time I was a huge <laughs> gum nerves. They brought me like three packs of Orbit, made sure we had <laughs> each, 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 um, each uh, room in a certain uh, um, area before you go up on the stage had Tekken. And we were like, oh wait, um, Kenny, which was like the guy kind of running a lot of what was going on. Uh, we were like, Kenny, we don't have the DLC. We don't have, um, I think, it was like a, a Eliza, maybe Geese, um, I forgot. Like just whoever was new at the time and the stages, we didn't have the stages. They were on that so quick. They download stages and like whatever additional DLC was there and um they were just on top of everything it felt like Tekken was finally getting like a like a it deserved along with a lot of the players um it I'll never forget what happened there and um I, you know, I always see things like that on TV but actually to be on that stage like and having the team that won it and contributing mm-hmm. to, and taking out some some of the best players that there uh, there are. I, I there was one point I probably would have never believed I could have done it, but I proved something to myself, I guess, that day, not even thinking about it. And you also proved something to a lot of people at home. Um, and this is maybe a controversial topic, and I hope that you don't take it the wrong way, but that a female gamer can perform at that high level. That's something that comes up sometimes. And we have some tweets here. When I read this, I thought this is extremely supportive, but there were people who were like, she's not a top female gamer, she's a top gamer. This is a tweet from Alex Myers. Cuddle Course should be an inspiration to any female gamer wanting to be a top player. Super solid, great composure, great neutral, wholesome-ass personality. Good stuff, Cuddle. Looking forward to seeing how you do next year. Now, we love Alex Myers. We think he's great. I don't think that he means anything but positive vibes are to you. But um, And we have some other tweets here we'll get to in a second. But how do you feel as a gamer and as a pro gamer and as a top-level gamer? Um, is that all it is? Or do you take pride in the fact that you're a female top-level gamer? I love this question. Um, it's something I get asked um, kind of a lot not like that usually but like uh, in another way but i am um, the reason why i i am i've improved so much um is it's not because i never think about man you know, i'm a i'm a woman and i'm doing what other women might not be doing um that's huge like well it's more like i want to be good for like uh for myself Mm-hmm. Because when I get on stage, I, I was telling my my managers this. I'm like, when I go on stage, I don't want to look free. <laughs> I don't want to look bad. Like all this work I do, and then I go up there and I get like body like six rounds straight. Like that's not what I'm here for. So I just want to make sure I I look good for myself because I didn't all this training and you want to, you want something to show for that mm-hmm. for that like. Um, but at the end of the day, I do always like kind of make it a point to say like um, representing women in the fighting game community by how I play, um, but also women of color because you I don't see it often enough. Um, maybe top women of color like in their game I don't see mm-hmm. it often because there's not a lot of us. 
Um, maybe it's just, you know, we're getting there. But I think it's it's definitely a combination of both. Kind of just like a, the more exposure I get, I do realize how important, I, I realize even more so how, how important that is to represent, like, be, like, I'm a top gamer, but I am a woman. And I am setting an example. Mm-hmm. So it, it, I think what Alex said had, um, had a lot of truth and weight to it. I know people were like, oh my gosh, but to be across, it's just a good gamer in general. Yes, but that's not, but this is, just, we don't see women mm-hmm. top, the top level like that all the time. We don't. And when you see somebody doing that, it, but also being like having a good personality, um, the whole package that is something worth um noticing and, and talking about and that it, it does exist and that hopefully later on down the line because they other people see that other women will do that too 100%. but they are ready and um so yeah that's that's what i think steve, steve do you want to add to that or should i read some more of these tweets um the it's seven thirty. <laughs> we, we, we don't want to step on Ultra Chen and we did have a couple right. other uh, topics we want to hit at I do just want to read some of these tweets this is from Pink Diamond she says don't get me wrong I love all y'all in the FTC but I'm rooting for Cuddlecore other than her fuck all y'all bitches um, <laughs> then we have Kayane which I imagine would be you know quite an honor to get a message from somebody uh, that has uh, such a pedigree in these types of games she's the queen oh my god I'm rooting so much for her Cuddlecore is way too sick in this tournament can't breathe you responded to that one and uh, people can find that tweet um do you have anything to say about, you know, some of the support you've gotten from, from other female gamers, right? Oh, yeah. Um, okay. okay. So, Kayane, I love her so much. Um, I was at Evo this year, and I was on stage. And after I played a Kuma player, and I beat him, and I was like, yeah, got this. And she was watching that. Then I had to play Naroma, and I, I lost the first game. And I was close to coming back, like it was two to two, and uh, two to two rounds, and I, I lost. And I was like, oh, I get off the stage, I'm a little discouraged because I'm in losers now. And she's like, hi, Cuddle. And I'm like, oh my God, Kayane, hello. <laughs> and she, she, like, we follow each other on Twitter. So we, you know, we talked a few times. She's giving me like pointers, and like, she, um, I kind of like poured my, ha- my heart out to her about like um, some of the adversity. Um, that we both dealt with, uh, dealt with, <laughs> dealt with, and she was. Um, it was. It felt good to talk to somebody who, um, you know, has been doing this for a long time and has dealt with some of those things. That um, being a woman in gaming, the, the pros and the cons, and so seeing her this time in at Evo, she said, um, she was like, "Hey, you know, it's okay. She took it off, and she watched my match in losers, and I lost that one too, and she." Uh, she said, "Hey, just work on work on your pressure, and uh, work on dealing with being under pressure, and because um, she plays second as well, right? Um, and she gave me like good advice on that. Um, she was very encouraging, and she said, just keep practicing, keep it up. And um, I, uh, I don't know. It felt really good because she I, she, she respects what I do, mm-hmm. and I respect her." There's no animosity, no nothing. It's just genuine. And uh, she watched me at E-League. She watched me. She watched me uh, this weekend. And I was like, you know, thank you so much for, for the advice you gave me before because I took it to heart and I um, I, I worked on it. 
I, I worked on the things I wanted to. Um, and she, she helped with that. Um, it's just in her positive attitude made me feel better. I felt like I wasn't alone in some of the things I, I dealt with and, and still do at times. Um, Big Diamond, well, she's always in my corner and I'm in hers and I love her to death. I love her. Don't take crap for, from anybody attitude. Um, I think people tend to want to try and pin maybe women of color and like women in general against each other. And I'm pretty sure people have tried pinning me against her. Just like, oh, yeah, they should fight each other. But the thing is, that's not what we, that's not what we're about. She, um, she always like cheers for me when I play and, um, she's like, no, you know, kick butt, you know, she's just always, I don't know. She's, she's always been really good to me. And I, I care about her a lot because we've been through a lot of the same things with the community. And she's a really hard fighter too. So, and that, and that was just a small sampling of tweets. I mean, I could have pulled like 20 more easily, uh, with a lot of positive uh, reinforcement and vibes and people just being, uh, you know, I feel like somebody like you has the power to draw people to the community in a way that you might not expect in that it's like the things that you already discussed, but also just that positive vibe and the entertainment value of, of seeing you do well and just getting invested in you. Unfortunately, we're out of time and we're going to have to have you back because there's a bunch of other stuff that I want to talk to you about, including some of this. Um, I saw that you have some really interesting art on a site and I just want to ask you about some of these. I have questions, um, okay. but this is really cool. So you'll have to come back and join us sometime and we can uh, do another interview with you. Unfortunately, we only have about 30 minutes on the show to talk to you. Oh, no problem. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for staying up late with us tonight. Go, go get some sleep. And have fun <laughs> in Amsterdam. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much to uh, Janelle Carter, Cuddlecore, and Steve Ace King Offsuit Jerk for being on the show. We will see you guys next week.